Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Market View, where we take a look at how Singapore's stock market closed for the day, the biggest movers, sectors, and companies to watch to help you better position your portfolios. But first, a quick recap of how we started the day. Closing bell. Well, Singapore shares began trading stronger today after global markets ended mixed overnight. In early trade, the Straits Times Index was up 0.2% to 3,225 points after some 45 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now, let's take a look at the closing numbers. The benchmark Straits Times Index closed up 0.41% at 3,233 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $2.44 billion dollars. Now gainers outnumbered losers 275 versus 259. Top advances for the day, Jardine Cycle and Carriage, JMHUSD and Wilma International. And top decliners, we have Novo, Talis, Spec, Hopa and Semco Industries. Now in terms of companies to watch, we do have Olam Group because it secured a 1.75 billion US dollar multi-trench sustainability linked facility through its wholly owned food ingredients unit, OFI. Now Meanwhile, from UBS set to absorb Credit Suisse's domestic bank to news that millions of dollars were reportedly invested in some publicly traded stocks of Adani Group via OPIC Mauritius Funds. We've got more international headlines for you. And joining us on the line is David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Tian Great to have you. Yes. And let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual, David. How did mm-hmm. the SDI fare today? Okay, um, I think uh, um, if I may draw your attention back to last week, you know, last week at Jackson's mm. Hole, you know, power actually suggests, uh, you know, proceeding cautiously on rates. And mm. uh, that to me will probably mean no hike at all in September. You know, the market is now only, you know, pricing in only a 13% chance of a hike, you know, next month. And uh, after this meeting, you know, the following meeting isn't until November 1st. And, uh, you know, by then, you know, the weight of evidence could imply that hikes are no longer needed. So, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on that. So with this in mind, you know, the U.S. market actually opened higher this week. And, you know, with the key risk event, you know, that is uh, Jackson Hole behind us. It should not come as a, as a surprise that, you know, the STI, you know, uh, you know, has been on a steady footing this week and, you know, ended today, which is also the last trading day of the week higher. Hmm. And let's take a look at Shangri-La Asia, David. The hotel group reported net profit of uh, $131.4 million US dollars for the first half ended June. And this is actually a reversal from the loss mm-hmm. of about 158 million US dollars we saw mm-hmm. in the same period last year to what extent uh, was this within expectations looking at the share price movement today I think I would think uh, you know looking at the share price uh, it looks rather subdued today you know following the release of these results and um, you know if we take a little bit uh, you know, if you take a deeper look, um, share price is not only subdued, you know, solely based on today's price action. Um, because if you look at the share price performance on a year-to-day basis, it's actually down 19%. But um, to be fair to the uh, to the uh, entity, uh, if you ask me the same question, uh, I think back in late April, share price was actually up around 16% year-to-date, you know, at the end of April. So within the space of four months, you know, we've seen stock price has fallen around 35%, you know, from up about uh, from up about 16, you know, to down 19%. So 
on this note, I would say the initial performance of the share price up to April, you know, has actually re- reflected the lifting of travel restriction, you know, and hence a good set of results coming into first half 23. But other than that, the share price has really been hit by, you know, what's happening in China. Hmm. And uh, let's take a look at what's happening around the region. Uh, David, you mentioned China, but let's take a look at Adani first. Millions of dollars were reportedly invested in some publicly traded stocks of uh, Adani Group via opaque Mauritius funds and that's according to an article by the Organised Crime mm-hmm. and Corruption Reporting Project. What's the damage looking like for Adani today? Okay, I think the immediate reaction will be a beating down of you know share prices of all Adani affiliated entities. Yeah. And uh, we're looking at some of the companies like Adani Energy Solutions, Adani Power, Adani Green Energy, Adani Enterprises, you know, etc. There, these counters are I think down between two to five percent, you know, on an intraday basis. So this uh, revelation, whether it's true or not, has simply compounded the woes you know the group has already faced. The greater implication is, you know, from what I can see, you know, whether this news will actually add to the difficulty of Adani in its borrowing needs, you know, by, you know, higher costs to actually account for the higher risk that lenders now face. So at the beginning of the year, I remember we, uh, over here, we actually did some math to compute the uh, liquidity gap that the group was facing. Mm. So taking into account this liquidity needs versus, you know, the cash commitments that they have, we Actually, came up with a rough estimation of that uh, Adani Group would need around you know eight billion US you know this fiscal year, which uh, needs to be bridged by either long-term funds or you know cash flow from the operations. So I'm not sure how much they have uh, you know repaid you know uh, their financial commitments for this year thus far. But if uh, things continue to spiral down, I believe they could face tremendous financial pressure. Mm, if you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. And David, elsewhere, let's talk about China now. Uh, factory activity in China contracted for a fifth straight month in August, but at a slower pace. Do you think things are looking up for the Chinese economy, though? I think this morning, uh, I think the market got a positive surprise. Uh, I mean, when you see the uh, China August manufacturing PMI coming in at 49.7, which actually beat the estimate of 49. And even the previous reading of 49.3. But uh, I think by and large, it's still in contraction mode. And in fact, it's the fifth consecutive month in contraction for factory activities. But, um, you know, the silver lining is that it's aging towards an expansionary reading, you know, just barely. So, you know, we're, we're keeping, keeping our fingers crossed that this happens, you know, uh, next month in September. So in terms of, the, you know, what is the implication of this, you know, in terms of the uh, activity data, we actually look at, you know, four key economic indicators that actually represent the recovery of, uh, you know, three major demands in China, namely your consumption, investments and export that is as represented by retail sales, you know, mm. fixed, uh, FAI, fixed asset investment, industry production and export data. And uh, when I look at across all these four sets of data, they're still slowing further from the uh, last available economic releases. So with this uh, morning's release of the manufacturing PMR, we're only seeing one out of the four components coming in slightly above. So things are still uh, murky for now, and I think China still needs more time you know, for the targeted measures that are already rolled out to work themselves into the real economy. Hmm. In the meantime, let's take a look at some corporate news, Sir David. UBS said it would fully absorb Credit Suisse's domestic bank, and it also added that it is increasing its ambitions for cost savings to more than 10 billion US dollars across the group. How would you read into this? I think cost 
savings uh, should be one of the key initiatives uh, that the group would actually target, you know, uh, with this measure. And uh, why is this so? I mean, that's because I think it may take some time before the key positives uh, from this merger actually translate into the uh, bottom line of the new combined group. And why is this so? I think it's because uh, I think we have heard, you know, that uh, there was a couple of waves of asset outflow from Credit Suisse when, you know, news of them being on sales actually broke out. You know, hence, uh, you know, we are of the view that the revenue from Credit Suisse, your wealth management franchise, you know, has been affected. And uh, if you look at the numbers, the ultra high net worth clients for UBS actually account for about 40% of current current investor assets. But from over at the CSI, this percentage is greater. So in the short term, it's probably wiser to target cost savings, you know, even though cost savings will have its own uh, challenges as well, you know, such as, you know, the restructuring expenses related to the integration. But, you know, between cost savings and, you know, reaping the revenue by asset inflows again, you know, by its wealth management arms, I think um, to me, uh, cost savings would still be seen as the lowest hanging fruit to pursue. Mm. And one quick question before we let you go, uh, David, and the mm-hmm. U.S. investors are awaiting the latest PC price index, which is the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation tonight. Uh, what are you expecting on this front? I'm expecting it to, uh, okay, the market is expecting a 0.2 rise a month on month and I'm expecting a 0.15, you know, month on month as well. Uh, I've been actually not as well, just uh, slightly coming in below expectations mm. on a month to month basis. And if we look at the annualized number, the market is actually coming in at 4.2. So for hours, we are actually looking at 4.15. So with this being said, uh, we are still looking at a higher pace than the 4.1% registered in June. And uh, I mean, certainly if you look at the July inflation numbers, it could always prompt further concern about sticky inflation, you know, if we get sizable ticks, you know, higher in the monthly as well as annual headline numbers. So, I mean, when we got the CPI numbers earlier in August, we, you know, we did see evidence that, you know, prices might struggle to move much lower, you know, after headline CPI age mm. higher to actually 3.2%. So, uh, I think I, I would expect to see a similar move for tonight's numbers. Mm. All right. Thanks a lot, David. That was David Chow, Director of Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.